Hey, I'm Ramel London. I'm a TV and radio presenter, and I want to welcome you to the Mainstream Podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with a queen of radio who effortlessly sprinkles black girl magic across the Kiss FM airways from Sunday to Thursday. From online interviews with Dropout UK to international bookings and presenting to the world of MTV, she's proved that she is definitely one of the chosen ones, pushing the boundaries as a broadcaster, voiceover artist, and inspiration to many please help me welcome my good friend Tania Taylor oh my god what an intro I don't think I've ever had an intro like that before in my life so thanks hun how are you this is what we do and Tania (laughs) welcome to the mainstream thank you so much for having me honestly it's been a long time coming I think Definitely, definitely we have needed I mean to be honest we always say that we want to catch up about life anyway but I think it's good to be able to share the journey with people that are, are definitely inspired by you. And I know you get asked a million times, how do you become a presenter? So, yeah. <laughs> so this is one of those moments where we're going to break it down and just like share, yeah. share the journey. But I, I've done a bit of digging. I've done a bit of digging. And um, I'm really intrigued to know a little bit about young Tania, because you are from a really big family you're one of nine siblings I believe it is yep yep wow so what was it like growing up in your household like was you fighting for attention or was you oh my god always <laughs> I'm the I'm number eight I'm number eight so as you can imagine like yeah it was hard and there's a big gap between me and my older sister so there's six years and then seven so they're a year apart so they're really really close and yeah, I, I was always the kid that like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, because I was one of the youngest. And they obviously picked on me. They would do this thing where they'd like lock the living room door, not let me come and watch TV with them. No, you know, like older siblings. And I'd be like crying to my mom, like, mom, they locked me out. Or like my mom went food shopping and they looked after me. They tell me things like, you know, you're not really our family. Like we found you in a like, no, my siblings, honestly, like we're super close and love each other. But you know, like siblings, like older, like, so they, they always picked on me. So I think I always needed to like be heard and fight for that attention. And I'm small. I've always been small. I'm five foot one now. So I was like, how am I going to get attention? And I think that's naturally where like performing came from. I was young and I, I joined like a dance school and I love doing like street dance and tap dance and ballet and stuff. And like, do I used to do shows in like Lakeside and Bromley shopping centers. I was that kid in the middle of the shopping center, like doing dance routines in clothes. (laughs) Next and like Adams. Do you remember Adams? The shop Adams. Come on. CNA. CNA was the CNA. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And they dress us. And I think I was like eight or nine doing this every 10. And they dress us. And then I'd do like dance routines and stuff. And some people would stop and watch and then go about their day. But I think I always, I always wanted to be heard. I always wanted to be seen. And I think being one of the youngest and needed to be heard and seen, that's naturally where my love of like being in front of the camera or like performing and like, look at me, look at me came from. But it actually developed a skill set in me. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's that's usually the route that that people kind of figure out what it is they like. Like they try a little bit of everything and then they kind of get to a point where they're like, actually, this is the one I'm going to home in. Whether in, whether it's being a dancer, being a singer, being an actress, like it's usually you just enjoy performing. And yeah. um, what I love about you is that it was particularly when you got to a teenage 
age, 16. You're at home like the rest of us watching Jun Sao Pong kill it on TV. But you said to yourself, not just be like, oh, she's amazing. You were like, no, no, no. I would love to do that. I want to do that. And that's yeah. really just such a go-getting, I don't know how what to call it. Like, yeah, just go-getting trait that I find really, really, like, beautiful to come out of you. So what was it that you loved about seeing Jun Sao Pong on on TV and made you think, oh, actually, I might want to be a presenter. Me and my sisters, we shared a room. There's a lot of us, so we had to share a room. And we always would watch like T4 on like Sunday mornings. It was like our thing. And I remember thinking, not only I can do this, but I was like, wow, there's a black woman, a dark skinned black woman from African descent on the television, mainstream, absolutely smashing it and showing that it can be done. So not only was I like, I want to do that, but I don't know how. I was like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do it like it was no question and I, my dad always says this he's like out of all you and your sisters he says you've got something different that they didn't get and like I think I just have that extra like fire in my belly where I'm like if you're going to tell me no I'm going to make it a yes yeah. and I come from a very working class background I didn't have connections I didn't have rich daddy that worked at Sky or you know I didn't have any of those things my dad was a minicab driver and my mum worked in a care home as a carer like so I didn't have the means as it were that people might think you need to make it but anybody listening to this now you absolutely don't you need hard work you need dedication and you need to hone in on your skills and I can't yeah I can't express that enough so roundabout way June, I looked at June, I looked at Margarita Taylor, I looked at Makita Oliver, and I was like, if they can do it, I'm going to do it. And I think I never had a plan B. People always ask me that. Even along the way, when I first started in community radio and stuff on Rinse FM, some of my best, best friends from school were like, come out of uni and got their nine to fives and their good jobs. And I was like slugging away for little or to no money, (laughs) doing a breakfast show on Rinse FM. And I remember one of my friends said to me, like, do you have a cutoff point? Like when you're going to stop trying, not like in a rude way, but she was like, have you given yourself a time to make it? And I was like 22 at the time. And I was like, no, because I'm going to do it. Like there was no, there was no doubt in my mind, you know, and then here I am. (laughs) Love that. Well, you definitely did hone in on those skills because you went to Brunel University and um, you studied media, film and television (laughs) studies. So let's talk about that. What was the course like, first of all? Um, Do you know what? It wasn't anything in front of the camera. So when people hear me say that, they go, oh, no. And this is what I thought, right? I clearly didn't do my research. So I get there and it's all about learning about, which was great, like documentary making, cinematography, new Hollywood cinema, Hong Kong cinema. Like it was it was really great, but it was very much behind the scenes. So I was like, this is all cool. And I can do film analysis and I can make great little documentaries with my friends and I can edit. And I learned so many skills that I can apply to my working life today. But I always knew in front of the cameras where I wanted to be. So because I was part of the media department, alongside one of my best friends, Justine, shout out to Justine, I would make her film me. So we were able to hire out camera equipment because I was, I was a broke uni student. I didn't have a thousand pounds to be going by Canon cameras and all these things. So we would be able to kind of like library, you know, when you go to a library and you have a library card, it was like that. We had a card and it was like, you can rent out this equipment, but if you break it, you pay for it. Right. (laughs) And so I would drag my friend, Justine, who was doing the same course as me. And I was like, can you film me? And I used to do Vox Pops. And for anyone that doesn't know what that is, it's you literally walk down the high street and annoy people with a camera and a microphone and be like, can I ask you some questions? And many people told me to F off. Many people were like, 
get out of my face. You know, Saturday afternoon, they got their kids running around like shopping center. But many people spoke to me. And to this day, I don't really know what I asked them. I think I would just like pick a topic and be like, can you tell me your favorite things to do on a Saturday afternoon? And then I'd go and I'd sit in the, the editing suites at uni all hours and like edit this, this, I don't even know what it was. And I don't know what I was calling it, but just edit it down. And that was me like getting practice. So I was doing the theory part of things and behind the scenes to do with my course and my degree, which I loved, but I never lost sight of what I really, really wanted to do, which was in front of the camera. So I wanted to do like best of both worlds. And like, we didn't have a radio station at the time at Brunel. There wasn't that kind of stuff. So, cause Brunel is mainly a sports. Yes. If you do sports, yeah. um, there's a lot of athletes that when they're like Perry Shakes Drayton went there, like there's a lot of athletes. So it's heavily, heavily sports, sports science. So we didn't have like a radio station and stuff like that. But I did what I had to do to kind of get, get the skill set and just like get out there and just do it. Like people always say, how did you start? And I'm like, just start. Yeah. like just go and, and I think that's the main thing is a lot of people that go I know but I don't have an email for this woman at the BBC I didn't have any contacts in uni I knew no one and nothing I just had the camera my best friend and the shopping center and I made it work <laughs> Love that. You know what? Uh, you're saying your journey and I'm like girl we were in live like literally parallel lives I yeah. was in Leeds you was at Brunel like that's what we had to do like that was no, you, you had to do it yeah 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 you've literally just nailed it because my course we actually did get on camera but I studied broadcast journalism and yeah. uh I was shocked at how little camera time there was but it sounds like it was even less for you so, so, less. <laughs> so looking back did you feel like there wasn't many opportunities to actually learn to be a broadcaster and presenter because like you said we both experienced exactly the same thing where we found a course but actually didn't didn't tally up to what we expected so you know was it was it hard kind of navigating how do we actually become a presenter do you know what it was really hard like you said there was no there was there was little to nothing and I remember in final year some of my very good friends still to this day they put on a comedy show in like the local theater in town. And it was called, it's a blast. And I was like, I want to do behind the scenes. And it was like, Eddie Caddy hosted it, of course. Um, <laughs> you had Slim on the lineup, like great, great yeah, comedians that no one loves to say, it was epic. And so I was like, I'm going to do behind the scenes. And again, I had my trusty bestie, Justine. And she was, <laughs> she was like filming. I think it's even still on YouTube, very embarrassing. But she was filming and I would go around backstage and like, so Eddie Caddy, you've just come off stage, like doing all these things. And then in their dressing rooms and I would do a whole like, so this is their rider. And it was like some fruit and some water before they got in there. <laughs> Slim was on the lineup as well, OG in the game. And so, yeah, and I was like, I'm just going to create a behind the scenes show. And, and like I always say to people, if there's no opportunities, create your own. 100%. I didn't, there was no Channel 4 contact for me. I wasn't, I didn't have some big production company. It was me and my best friends, <laughs> like with the camera, with the mic. And I loved it. And, and, I, and I left uni and I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to do this. Like, yeah, I never lost that like fire in my belly for it or, you know, that determination. I feel like I'm still on that, that hamster wheel where like, just keep going, just keep going. Because as you know, in this industry, you can't stop, right? Yeah. You, you actually can't stop, especially as a woman, like you've got to keep going. You work when the work is there. So I think I still have that hunger now that I had 10 years ago. 
that's beautiful man that's beautiful it's so important to just stay persistent have a drive and um Mm -hmm. but that makes me question actually it sounds like although the course wasn't exactly what you wanted you got what you needed out of it so do you think you could have got this far without a uni degree do you know what no one (laughs) so no one's ever asked me if I've got a degree which pains my soul because I'm like huh the student loan the student loan please don't ask me because I've had to pay student loan um but no I would say that it it helped me go like get on the map like I said like if I didn't go to uni I wouldn't have had access to camera equipment and if I didn't have access to camera equipment I would have been able to annoy people in the street and do my box pops and so on and so forth so definitely it wasn't in vain definitely it wasn't a waste of time I also met some of my best friends there that I'm still best friends with now so it's a beautiful blessing so I didn't have camera time for my degree but I made friendships and sisters for life and great experiences and yeah I don't regret it that's perfect that's so good well soon after you graduated that's when you started working for dropout uk so how did that come about so the owner and founder of dropout uk is actually my brother-in-law's brother but I didn't get an easy ride yes yes I didn't get shout out to Obi I didn't get an easy ride I was like he was like I'm gonna create this online magazine and it was around the time when SBTV was coming out and was massive link up TV as well and we were like third in line all right we were always playing catch up to you guys always by the way um no first of all no I need to say this on the record (laughs) I have to say this on the record you lot got all the good interviews because that's how I noticed you because I was like hold on wait a minute she you you guys particularly got the mainstream like you had the Jesse J's you have the 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 Jesse J example Professor Green Cassie boys to men these are the people that we at link I was at link up tv so we were just like no we want some international people like obviously we we got the UK people and back then it wasn't as glamorous. No, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. as glamorous. And that's where I was like, oh, she is on the money. She's getting the, <laughs> the pop stars. Okay, girl, get it. Yeah. So, so yeah, like how how did you guys even get to that level of like mainstream talent? You know what? It was it was the founder, Obi. He he is like he now manage, manages French the kid, the artist okay. French the kid. And he is just a tyrant. He is someone that's so meticulous. He's like me, very meticulous, very set in his ways, very controlled, but he takes no for an answer. And I remember like, I used to write all my own questions. I still yeah. do in all my interviews. And I and I remember him saying to me, you're not going to get this job easy, you know? And I'm, I thought, oh, that's my bro. Like I've known him since I was 12. Like, oh, like, you know? And nah, he made me audition. I said, excuse me, what? made me audition. Yeah. And then I got it because I was like, obviously I was the better choice (laughs) and then like I would write interview questions he'd say right next week so and so at this time we've got Professor Green for example so he'd say Tania you need to write your questions and I was thinking ain't no one gonna write my questions but you know what it was a school that he taught me from I was 21 22 and I still write my own questions now and all the interviews you see in Kiss that all comes from like me collaboration with my producer as well but like I do all my own research and I and I thank him for that because he taught me that and I would send over questions he'd send it back and go what's this fill it out flesh it out not good enough he was strict on me but he knew what he was doing and he I he is so you know responsible for 
my journey and how I am as a broadcaster and how meticulous I am because that's how he was so he went into slapdash he was like you think you're going to interview Cassie and write these five questions they're dead don't just ask what did your album sound like like he hated that kind of stuff he was like push the boundaries ask this ask that so big up to Obi big up to Dropout UK like that really gave me a great start because I mean everyone thought I was making loads of money I made zero zero I made no money I didn't get paid but I always say to everyone that was the best work experience I had ever got I was on red carpets at Leicester Square Mm. I was down at the end by the way you know that you know when you're at the end you might not get anyone (laughs) I remember those days I remember being at the Django Unchained premiere with Jamie Foxx Kerry Washington it was like snowing and I'm wrapped up there at the ends and I remember Kerry came to me she had no coat on and she said, it's okay, two questions, two questions, go. And I don't know whether she was like, black girl, and was like, I've yeah. got you. I shouldn't, her people were like, no, we don't have time. And she was like, no, 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 two questions, go. And so I'm on the spot thinking, I've got to make two, qu- I've, like, you know, you have to make it count. Yep. I had to make it count. But yeah, I got incredible work experience. And because of that, I was able to get a show reel together. And like an actual show reel of like great content, not just my Vox Pops, me in the street, talking to so-and-so, which was great in the beginning, but I had, actual celebrities actual the Saturdays JLS when they were like top of their game yeah. so it allowed me to get a show reel and then that show reel allowed me to get on Rinse FM okay that's what we're talking about I was yeah. I, I am very much aware that you was doing bits like that's what I'm saying you was hard to not not noticed because you was everywhere and um yeah I remember you being on on breakfast at rinse and I remember us bumping into each other a few times and I'm like girl are you not tired (laughs) and and do you know what when I did rinse again I I only had one job in uni and that was working in office and I worked there I got work experience in my first year I got on no sorry Christmas temp you know you do like a Christmas temp you only do it for two weeks so I got that I got that in my first year of uni because my parents were like, look, you've got three months to get a job and then you're on your own. <laughs> so I got that job and then they kept me on. So for the whole of uni, I, I worked in office and then I kept it after uni. So I was doing office three days a week, mm-hmm. drop out in between. I would go and interview, like example, at 10 o'clock in the morning at a record label. Then I'd go and do a late shift at office. Wow. Like, yeah. And people were thinking I was living high life and like, I was high on life. I was broke, but I was high on life because I'm like, I'm living my dream. I am living my dream though, you know, the, and the money will come. And then I got a third job. So I was doing, for the first six months I was on rinse. I did breakfast on rinse, which was 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Then I would go and work in office from 12.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., which was closed. Oh and then in between that, I was still doing dropout bits. I had three jobs at one point. You go, girl. See, I had listen. to though. I had to, I had to hustle that's the word I was going to say. It was definitely all about the hustle. And that's the thing. You never complained. Because like I said, I, I genuinely b- would bump into you. And I'm like, how's everything going? You're like, yeah, it's great. And I'm like, are you not? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> I'm like, are you not tired? Like, Because I think Good. around those times as well, I was working at Capital. And I, was, I wasn't presenting, but I was uh, assisting. And I was like, I know I'm tired. How's this go? Like, you're actually on air. How are you doing that? That was the question I had in my mind. Like, you know, what were those days like? Like, like did you struggle or do you think you, you just powered through? 
do you know what? I struggled, but I powered through because I always believe in light at the end of the tunnel. And I believe that God has a plan for me. And, and this is my journey. Like when I was at Rinse, like now in radio, if you do unsociable hours, like a breakfast show, they get your car to work. You think I got a car. There was no money for that. I remember there was times when it was like snowing and I'm like, I'm in the trenches waiting for trains that are cancelled. I live in Essex. I'm waiting for trains to get to East London, to get to Rinse FM for seven o'clock in the morning. And it was hard, but, and my parents would be like, God, you must be knackered. And I was knackered. Like I said, I would do a breakfast show and then go and do an eight hour shift in retail. I was knackered, but I knew what I wanted. I knew my goal and, and not in any kind of disrespectful way to anyone, but I didn't want an average life. Yeah. I, I come from very humble beginnings and God bless my mom and dad. Like we always had roof over our head, clothes on our back, food in our belly. 100%. I had a good, like, happy childhood, but I always wanted more. I just wanted more. So I was like, I'm going to go above and beyond because I'm going to be, I'm going to be like, get my fruits of my labor at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? So you have to do it. And anyone listening right now that's like, oh my God, that's me. I still work in Sainsbury's whilst doing this and my degree in journalism and writing articles for magazines and they're not paying me on time. Trust me, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And like, when you work hard, it will pay off. It might pay off in five years. It might pay off in 10 years, but it absolutely will. Beautiful. It really will. So well said. It's so worth it in the end, definitely. And um, another moment that I really remember you shining again was during the kiss chosen ones competition <laughs> now this was this was like roll call everybody that's in the game entered this competition listen it was the maddest time listen yeah and do you know how i knew about that i was this is what i'm saying again journey so i'm working in office and at the time i was working in the white city one oh yeah Shepherd, yeah. Uh, yeah that one white city and a girl came in that I worked with from her lunch break and was like, I'm going to enter this competition to be a presenter. Bearing in mind, she'd never said she wanted to be a presenter before. No disrespect <laughs> to her. So I was like, what competition? Doing my shift, probably hating it. I'm in retail. Customers are rude to me. And she's like, yeah, it's called the Kiss Chosen One. So I go online and I send it to my sister on my lunch break. I'm like, you think I should do it? She signs me up. My sister, my older oh, sister wow. signs me up. And again, I'm, if I didn't work in office, if I didn't have this retail job that I didn't really like, but I love the people I work with, the people I worked with were A1, I still talk to them today, yes. but if I didn't work there, I wouldn't have had that colleague that told me about this competition, I probably wouldn't have known about it, which means I might not be on KISS today, mm, you know what I mean, so like everything happens for a reason and it was the first year they did the KISS Chosen One, I didn't win, a good friend of mine, AJ King, he won, big up to AJ, um, and I got down to the final 10. And at this point, I think I'd done a few guest spots on Rinse, but didn't have a proper radio show. So I first got on Rinse by doing guest spots. I was like the entertainment girl on the breakfast show twice a week, Monday and Friday, right? I did that for about a month or two. And then I did Chosen One and they were like, go and get more radio experience. Mm -hmm. And then Rinse were like, oh, well, well great. Cause we're going to give you the breakfast show. So I did that for eight, I did that for 18 months. And I tell you, it was hard. It was tough. I was paid peanuts for being on air. Yeah. Monday to Friday live, by the way, not pre-recorded live. I got next to nothing. However, what I did get was a platform and a place to 
start really start my radio broadcasting journey hone on my skills I would ask artists like come on the show that I knew like Rex 32 and G Fresh at the time my producer was very young big up to Josh he's now a producer on Apple Music and absolutely smashing it he was like 18 19 so it was like blind leading the blind but you know what we had in common we had that passion that hunger and we wanted to be great we wanted to make great audio, fun audio. Big up to Ray Paul as well. He's another legend in the game. Um, hailing from the BBC and he came and was uh, another producer for me on Rinse FM and taught me so, so much. So yeah, like my Rinse journey really helped me get back onto Kiss because then 18 months later, Kiss headhunted me and was like, okay, you're ready now. That's right. And then I got, yeah. And then I got drive time and I was like, huh? Oh, that, yeah, straight to drive time. I didn't realize you went straight to drive time. Honey, neither did I. And I was like, I was like, what? I was like, what do you mean? I'm not good enough for this. And I went and I was like, it's sink or swim. And I had and I did it for a year and with my good friend Michael Lewis. And he's a radio OG and he taught me so much. And he was like, learn and learn fast. And I did. And he's still one of my greatest friends today. Um, but the journey's not always easy. I did it for a year. And then I, my boss called me for a meeting, my boss at the time. And I was like, okay, like totally. We had good Ray Jars. Ray Jars are like listening figures. We were up. And if you were up back in, back then, you got Ray Jar bonus. So you got bonus on top of your monthly pay. Yeah, what? yeah. No, we don't get no bonus around it. <laughs> Listen, we did, we did. We got bonus at the time, not anymore. Um, oh. And it was great and everything was up. And I was like, I'm getting into it. Yeah. And then he calls me into the office and he says, so I'm going to take you off the show. I said, what? huh? And I was like, blindsided. I got on well with my co-host. We were besties. We sounded great. Everyone loved our energy. The, 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 the listening figures spoke for themselves. Yeah. So I was like, I don't understand. And then he swapped me with a girl that is now one of my best friends. That's crazy. Um, and it, it black, came out of nowhere. And he was like, so you're going to go on to Kiss Fresh, which was really 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 new at the time it's the station from kiss is dedicated to like new music new artists and he was like i think you'll be great there but i took a pay rise pay cut sorry what? and i was like demoted i still was on main kiss on the weekends so i used to do right. both weekends and drive but it was a dark time and for about six months i was like is this it was really surreal i was like is this happening and i would say that's probably my lowest everyone always asked me what's your lowest point in your career and i would say that mainly because i felt i didn't deserve it because i was like what well, it's not like you know, in radio, if you don't get on with your co-host, it affects the sound of the show. 100%. Got on with my produ my producer at the time is, again, another really close friend of mine. To this day, I do Christmas dinners with and birthdays. So I was like, hold on, we have a solid team and a solid show. But you know what? God had other plans for me because yeah. six months later, I got on MTV. A week after getting on MTV, I got my own yeah. show on Nickelodeon. So I was like... And then I started making more money than when I was on drive. So then I didn't care. <laughs> wow. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Look 100%. at that. To be fair, it freed you up. It freed you up to be able to do exactly. the other jobs. So that's, exactly. wow. You're right. Everything definitely happens for a reason. And yep. I'm blown away by that because I genuinely didn't know that. And that's just such a testament to who you are, that you persevered, even when you felt like, Wow the rug has been pulled from under my feet. Literally, I remember coming into work. I think it was even a hot summer's day. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I 
I got, I got, I think life was good. Money was good. I'm on kiss. And then I was like, huh? And to this day, when people ask me, even my friend, my old co-host, he'll be like, I have no idea. But again, because I wasn't on that show, it freed me up to be a presenter on MTV News, traveling internationally with them, doing the MTV EMAs, I Love MTV, voicing my own kids show on Nickelodeon. Like I said, I was making money. So I was like, do you know what? This is my plan. This is my purpose. Like, and you have to go with it. And I could have, you know, threw my toys out the pram, left Kiss, yeah. and then where would I have gone? Yeah. Where would I have gone? Because there wasn't space at other radio shows at the time. Because you know, people, when you get a radio show, you don't really leave. Yeah, like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's solid money. It's your bread and butter. You're on air every single night, evening, whatever. And I was like, I just played it smart. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to use it to my advantage. And I would go into meetings with production companies and no one would be like, oh, so you're only on Kiss. But they would go, oh my God, you're on radio six days a week. Wow. Yeah, Because radio is radio. Whether you're on a pre-recorded radio station, whether you're on a main FM station, it's all digital now anyway. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't actually matter. And once I realized that, I let it go. Well done. Well done, girl. I'm proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about getting jobs? Because, girl, you've been booked and busy. But one Uh, thing I noticed in particular is that as well as you hustling and getting jobs yourself, you had an agent very early on. And yeah. that's something a lot of people starting out, they ask about, do I need an agent? How should I get an agent? All that kind of stuff. So what's your experience with agents and managers? And do you think they're important? I think they're important, but not at the start of your career. I think I had an agent very prematurely. Big up to Alec Boteng because he was on one extra at the time and he was like my mentor. And he it was his agent and he got me in with him. But... Anyone that's starting out now, I'm like, you don't need it. What you need to do is go and make your own lane. Instagram wasn't big back in the day, Ramel. Remember, Instagram wasn't, when we were starting, you couldn't go viral and then get a job. You had to really hustle. Like, there weren't TikTok where you could do silly videos. Oh, I've got 500 subscribers on whatever it is, 500,000. So now I'm getting booked for red carpets. No, you actually had to be a broadcaster. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, not to anybody. Times have clearly changed. But when we were doing it eight, nine years ago, you had to really like have that skill set. And I feel like I didn't really need an agent at the start. I needed to just go. I had rinse. I needed to just like hone my skills, focus on that. And I always say, when you're at the start, I always say to people, let the agent come to you. Mm. Let them see your sh- stuff online and be like, oh, I really like that girl. I really like that guy. Like, wow, they're DJing here. Like, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you need to get an agent straight away. And also, you need to kind of have a profile for the agent and management to work with. Mm-hmm. If you are new and you've got 1,500 followers on Instagram and you're not really popping yet, it's hard for them to sell you to people because they're going to be like, well, what's he or she done? So you kind of need to do a bit of the work first. So I would say if you're listening and you're thinking, do I need an agent? If you're at the very start of your career, no. I'd say no. I'd say just make your contact yourself and focus on finding out the type of broadcaster that you want to be. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That's, yeah, because that's always the question. How? And for me, it took me years to get an agent. And I had bad agents. I had, And now I have a great Same. agent manager. Same. So it's, it's very much finding the right people for you as well which makes it even harder because how are you going to find you know it's like getting a boyfriend or girlfriend (laughs) 
they gotta be they gotta be a good person they gotta love you rad for you in different ways so yeah totally agree with that 100 percent. so let's talk about voiceovers your voice has been powering the nation in many ways as you said nickelodeon mtv uh hey you itv like you, you your voice is equally booked and busy as you as a yeah. person <laughs> so yeah. was was voiceovers an accident or was it something that you actually planned out do you know what? I'm a hustler and I like to make money. And I say this to any, when I do like panel talks or even girls, I get a lot of girls in my DMs about like, I want to do this and I want to be on telly. Cause I was like that. I was 19. I was like, I'm going to be a TV presenter. And that was it. And I remember Alec Botang, big up to him once again, was like, I mm, think you should go into radio first because it's harder for a start. It's live. So that live skill set you can take into television. Because a lot of TV, people don't realize, is pre-recorded. Yeah, so you yeah. do something wrong, you, they can edit it, you can do it again. Live radio is the skill set. It's a skill set. Once that, that fader goes up and that mic is red, you are live. And there's no taking that what you've said back. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's, there's no taking back what you've said. So... I did radio first, and I always say there's four things you should do as a broadcaster. You should do radio, you should try and DJ, you should do TV slash digital, and yeah, you should do voiceovers. And I think if you're doing all of those consistently, simultaneously, you're going to always be booked and busy somewhere, right? So voiceovers might go quiet, but it might be summertime, so the DJ bookings are there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You've got a radio contract. Your radio contract in most radio stations is a year. Um, so you're solid radio for a year, yeah. you know? Um, you might do a, a YouTube show with a brand. Cool, that's a six-month contract, three-month contract. So voiceovers came in because I was like, all right, I'm done radio. I've done bits of TV and stuff with MTV and digital, loads of digital content. I've learned to DJ. That was just the next thing. And I love it because it's just another form of like talking, isn't it? And it's great. And also it's another stream of income. I say this to everyone, like they say, oh, it's not always about money. Mm, it kind of is because this is our bread and butter and we are self-employed. We pay our own pensions. There's, there's not a lot of privileges to when you're self-employed. So you have to work when the work is there. I never take longer than a week's holiday at a time because where I work, we don't get holiday pay. Yeah. So I'm very strategic, you know, right? So how much money am I losing to how much money I'm spending? You have to have a good work-life balance, of course, but you need to make your money. So that's where voiceovers really came in because I was like, right, I can just ramp that up. If if one goes quiet, you've got other options to ramp up and make your income. Definitely, definitely, definitely agree with that. That's incredible, man. I love that you had the, the vision for that and multiple streams of income. I tell people this all the time, like it's um, so important as a freelancer to just have your fingers in every pie it's it's not a bad thing to have more than one job like I think back in the day people thought it was like oh you must be poor (laughs) no you're smart you're you're smart you're smart you're not broke you're smart and you're probably never broke because you've got a thousand pounds from here 250 pounds from here two thousand pounds from here so you're good do you know what I mean Exactly that, exactly that. Well, you mentioned you've done loads of digital content, TV as well, and it just seems like you're always on to the next thing, which is amazing. I mean, you've worked with X Factor, Grazia, like you said, MTV. Um, but how how hard is it actually to secure 
these bookings and these gigs like are you auditioning a lot do you talk to commissioners because that's the that's one thing I don't think a lot of people realize like you're always having to work towards the next thing so what's your oh, your angle with it yeah I had a conversation I think a week ago I had a meeting with um a commissioner or a tv channel well-known tv channel and it's like you have to just keep going and also I, I I remember recently watching Mo the Comedian's speech at the BAFTAs and he was saying in 2017, he was going for all these meetings and all these people, commissioners and stuff. And they're like, well, we don't know what to do with you, but you're good. And that is exactly it. Mm. You don't just go for one meeting and get a job. I can't tell you how many meetings I've had. Probably the same as you. So many meetings and like, yeah. you think it's great and the meeting goes well, but they might be like, don't know what to do with you. Don't really have anything right now. Then they might come calling in six months because they remember you or they just might not. Yeah. So you just always like, I always say to everyone, you just got to keep thinking, thinking, thinking and creating your own ideas and creating a lane for yourself. And yeah, it's not, it's not easy to get these jobs. Some jobs literally like Grazia came to me and the job was already mine. And I was like, Amazing. great. And others like, like MTV, I had to go through a whole audition process for that. Um, before I got the job as an MTV news digital presenter and one of their main broadcasters and stuff like that. X Factor was a job that actually came to me. Nice. which I was like yeah my agent at the time was like x-factor have just called and this is what they want you to do and I'm like oh so when do I audition and I had a meeting with them and then they were like no the job is yours like we, we love you like the job is yours so sometimes they fall in your lap but most of the time they don't most of the time you are like this knocking on doors hi hi and sometimes they open and sometimes they don't you know definitely definitely oh my gosh I love that though sometimes it comes sometimes you build it you create yeah. it you take over, yep. take control. Yep. What have you learned whilst working, particularly in the mainstream entertainment industry, compared to when you started at Dropout UK and Rinse FM? Like, is it a different vibe? Is it a different industry? It's it's forever changing. Now, now it's the world of TikTokers and influencers, and now it's it's that world of like not just I've got 100k followers on Instagram, but it's like those viral moments that 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 commissioners and production companies and tv channels they want now so it's different like i said back in the day it was like this person's got a job because they're a solid broadcaster now with with influencers and you have love island and all that they're doing broadcast jobs and you know what i don't knock them i don't blame them it's just the times that we are in you know it's kind of like profile is much more important sometimes than the actual skill set and that's not me being shady or rude or disrespectful it's fact I've seen it I've watched some tv shows I've watched some youtube content some red carpets and I'm like hmm but then I get the person doing it because they might have just had a funny viral tiktok moment or their man of the moment because they did this or do you know what I mean so I get it and more power to them everyone's got to eat at the end of the day but that's I would say the main the main thing that's changed from when we started, I'd say like 10 years ago, is that everything is very digital and everything is about viral, viral and hyper visibility, yeah. you know? Like how much profile does this person have? And like, are, is everyone talking about them? Are they always on the blogs? Great. Instead of before, it was just like, no, you have to be good when you do this audition or I should not get a job. Damn right. And you, you, you have articulated so well, like, you know, Yes, we understand that the times have changed, but at the end of the day, when they need a broadcaster, they're going to call you. <laughs> or you. <laughs> or me, one of us, or us together, who knows? But yeah, yeah. I love that. It, it, it's just the realest thing. And like, yeah, it's not, it's not to knock anyone. It's not to um, 
compare because comparison is always always a big thing that we have to overcome in this industry which is so frustrating and um did you know what I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up but I feel like I should because I feel like it's we're being very transparent and I think and it's and it's no reflection on you or me I remember when I was starting out and I was trying to reach out to agents and I remember being told, do not go to an agency if there is a black girl. And I remember seeing you on an agent's website and being like, well, guess I won't be going there. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. the saddest thing I have to think about, because then I, I'm being told that like, oh, if they've already got one black girl, why would they want you? And me and you, we've had a similar journey, but we are completely different people. And it's so unfortunate that I was deterred from that. And I had, and I'm looking at a beautiful black woman and being like, oh, damn it. She's already got it, what I want. And that's such a really unfortunate thing to go through. And I'm wondering, have you ever had moments where your confidence might've been knocked because comparison or people have said this person's had more, more I don't know, more followers than you? Because I've been to auditions where I know someone got a job ahead of me because they just had a bigger following. And yeah, again, no shade, but I'm like, I've actually done more than them, but I I know you're choosing them because of their socials. So have you experienced anything like that? I totally get what you're saying because I had this conversation with someone about a year ago and I looked at an agency and there was two black girls on there who were great, but were very different. And I was like, oh, I wouldn't approach them because they've already got two black girls. But if you go on an agency, there might be about 12 white girls. <laughs> No, 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 let's be real, right? It's real. real. And the white girl has probably not looked at that website and gone, oh, they've already got, she's blonde and uh, so let me not. But it's the way society's made you go, well, we've already got one that ticks a box. Why would we have another? You know, and anyone that's listening, don't be deterred, man. Go for the things that you want. And I'm even talking to myself. Go for the things that you want. And if it's a no, it's a no, but at least you've tried. But I've had so many times, like, especially just women in general, we are always put against each other. And this person's doing their work at the minute. And it's like, yeah, but it's peaks and troughs. Like, you go through really busy. I've gone through times where I'm like, I'm so busy, I'm so busy. And other times I've just got radio. And I was frustrated with that for a number of years. Because I'm like, no, I want to do this and I want to do this. And now I'm like, cool, I'll just go on holiday then. I'll do my radio and then I'll have more time for myself. Because when it gets busy and I'm hosting this event straight to radio, filming this for Grazia, then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so tired. So now I've learned to like, take those moments that they're not even quiet. If you're on radio five times a week, you're working five times a week. Bro. Yeah, it's not <laughs> but quiet. The industry condition you to go, listen, you better be booked and busy 24 seven. You be work, working 10 days a week. Or <laughs> you know what I mean? Sorry. That was actually so hilariously quick. 10 days a week. What? My brain was like, hold on, wait, what? It's true. That's what they make you I mean. They make you feel like if you aren't posting on Instagram every single day going, happy to announce, happy to announce, then you're not doing well. Happy to announce, (laughs) then you're not doing well. But you are, because your bills are paid, money in the bank, you're fed, you look after family members, people hear you on national radio every single day. You're working. Yes. You're working. And I struggled with like, when I was on radio at the weekends, and doing Kiss Fresh, Kiss Fresh was, was pre-recorded. We just don't have enough studios for it all to be live. Yeah. And doing MTV and stuff, I would have like one or two days in the week where I might be off. Mm-hmm. And I would hate that because society 
uh, says Monday to Friday, you should work. Saturday and Sunday, you can rest. Yeah. But our industry is not like that. It's not nine to five. It's not Monday to Friday. So if I had a Tuesday off, it took me a good number of years to be like, okay, it's Tuesday and my friends are at work and I'm off and I'm not a bum. This is just my day off. Yeah. Because I would be, I would try and force myself. Okay. I need to get in a meeting there because like, I can't have a day off on a Tuesday because it's Tuesday. <laughs> I should be working. But no. Meanwhile, you didn't like, even have a weekend. So yes, your Tuesday is your Meanwhile, weekend. I didn't have a weekend because I was working weekends on radio. Exactly. While my friends were raving on a Friday. I used to breakfast. I used to not have a Friday and Saturday. I used to wake up at 4.30 in the morning. Oh, so my friends would be in the club. I'd be in bed by 9.30. So me having that Tuesday off is because I don't have the Saturday or the Sunday off. Yeah. Even now, I do evenings. So sometimes in the day, like I love the gym. Anyone that knows me, I'm always in the gym. So I'll go to the gym in the mornings. I might run some errands, do some food shopping. But I might sit in the day and watch an episode of my favorite show on Netflix before I go to work in the evening. And I don't struggle with that anymore because when I'm on the radio, everyone's at home cooking dinner and relaxing. Exactly. So my hour that I am taking or my two hours during the day when some people are working is because when I'm working, they're not, Mm -hmm. you know? So anyone that's listening right now, there's not this need to literally mentally and emotionally kill yourself for work and for booked and busy. It's not. Bernard Boy said it so right. I can't come and kill myself. Can't come and kill myself. Like, I can't. So if Tuesday is my day off and I want to be a bum and I want to stay in bed, not even be a bum, but I want to be lazy. I want to stay in bed till 10. I'm going to stay in bed till 10 a.m. Do it. Do Just because my friends got up at seven and went to work doesn't mean I have to because it's my day off. Because I might be filming at the weekend, up and lo- in location, and I might be doing 10-hour days while everyone's in the pub or in a rooftop terrace enjoying themselves. It's true, you know. It's so true. It's people are doing enjoyment while we're working for people hours. Are doing, people are doing enjoyment while I get home at 10 o'clock at night. Mm. People are in bed. They're, in, they're bathed and beds. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So I don't, so now I, I don't struggle with that. Like, God, every day, go hard or you're nothing. No, you work when you work and rest when it's time to rest. It's fine. Oh, you've spoken absolute facts right there. I love, I love that. that. Uh, okay, so what have been your highlights? And I know this is such a cheesy question, but I, I genuinely love your journey. And I feel like I've watched you and been like, yes, come on, girl, get in there, Tania. So... Yeah. personally are there any standout moments in your career so far like obviously we're not done we're not done we're we're, we're on oh, we're not done absolutely Honey. incredible journey of enjoyment but are there any particular moments that stand out to you where you're like oh my gosh I'm so glad I experienced that uh X Factor was up there for me That's great. um because I'd watched X Factor for years X Factor was like your Saturday evening if you weren't out with your friends you would sit in with your family and bust joke at the rubbish auditions you know what I mean like X Factor used to be really great Saturday night viewing so then get the call up in I think it was 2018 and to do it I'm like so Simon Cowell was literally there and I'm here and like it was just a really surreal moment and something I won't take for granted and also I want to say to anyone listening that's any creative, anything that you're doing, really live in the moment because I won't get that again. X Factor is not here now. Yeah, true. Not saying I won't work with Simon Cow again and Psycho, but X Factor isn't here now. So I remember we were recording across summer and the audition days were long. It was like 10. We would start at like 
3 p.m. and finish at 11 p.m. because Simon Cow doesn't like early starts. Anyone that works with Simon, they know he likes late. He will prefer to start like four or five. Yeah, he doesn't like early. So, you know, they're starting at four or five o'clock. They're staying till midnight. Because that's how he likes to work. And we'd get in a bit earlier and some contestants floating about, we'd interview them, you know, before they do the audition, all this kind of stuff. We make them do fun, quirky, you know, backstage, silly stuff. But yeah, and I remember it was summer and we had a heat wave and I was sweating in that room oh, and it was God. hard and I was tired and I still did weekend breakfast. So I would work up until like midnight on a Friday and my agent would say she can't stay any later than midnight because she's got to be up at half four and go to radio. What? And I remember, yeah, I remember taking a Saturday off because I had to go and DJ in Ibiza. So I would DJ in Ibiza on the Saturday um, afternoon, go back to London on the Sunday and I got picked up by an X Factor car to take me back to work. Oh, Hard. Yeah. I was tired. But I had to think to myself, this is the moment. This is the moment. X Factor, Simon Cow. It was the year that Robbie Williams and his wife did it. And like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was like, Tania, I'll take this in, take this in, take this in. Like, don't take this for granted. So long-winded, but just X Factor was up there because you have to live in the moment. I would say DJing in Malta for MCV. I DJed and I opened and it was 25,000 people were there. Bloody hell, girl. Nearly wet myself. I've, ne- I've never, in- I've never um, DJed in front of that many people before. And it was a different type of crowd. And they were like, play more dancey stuff. It's Euro- Europe, you know, like play more. And I'm a hip hop R&B kind of girl. So I had to adapt my set. Luckily it went well. And then I come off stage, I get changed and I'm doing a live backstage show during the live concert. So wow. that was up there for me. Like doing international broadcasting, international DJing on that 25,000. That's what Calvin Harris does. That's crazy. Like literally, do you know what I mean? Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. See, I'm glad I asked these questions because as much as it's cheesy, it's so good to reflect on the good times. So important. So important. Thank you for that. Well, Tania, I have honestly loved just reminiscing on the last decade of you. Can't believe it. Oh, decades. Yeah, <laughs> it's been so good watching you, a fellow black woman, just absolutely killing it. And like, you know, you are definitely someone that I have never heard a bad word about you. And yeah. that says a lot because this industry is full of nonsense. Um, <laughs> but also you have always shown me love. And that's something I really do take in because, again, this industry is full of nonsense people. And I've gone mm-hmm. across people who might be fake or you think they're cool and then actually they're not a nice person. At no, all. no. So that's definitely something I had to say publicly on the pod. You are such thank a beautiful you. person inside and out. Thank so you. just thank you for being uh, an amazing black broadcaster. <laughs> thank you. Oh, I really appreciate that. I really, really appreciate that. All good. So, right, this is the moment we've all been waiting for oh gosh Taylor what are your top five tips to make it in the mainstream um be yourself and I know that sounds really corny but like people want you they want to buy into you your character things you like being on radio you will know we talk about oh my god Saturday night I went here I did this with my sisters 
my thing you might do you know what I mean like people yeah. like to know about you so don't let what the next person is doing stop you from staying in your lane and being your own true self because sometimes we can go oh my god it's really popular to do loads of dance videos now I'm gonna start dancing but you might be a terrible dancer hun so don't do it <laughs> it's like it's, it's actually okay so one be yourself two never stop learning never stop learning and asking questions I'm annoying any producers work with me they always say I always ask why because I'm like, why are we doing this? Why? Why? Okay. I want to know. I'm not a puppet. So I want to know why I'm saying this, why we're doing this interview in this direction. And also when you're asking why, you're gaining more knowledge, which means you're learning. So never rest on your laurels and think, well, I'm a broadcaster, hun, and I've done this and that. So I know it. I've done a lot of things, but I'm still willing to learn. I still have that hunger. So learn and ask questions is two. Um, three, be nice to people. Mm-hmm. So what you were saying about, I don't hear bad things about you and you've always been nice to me. I don't harden my heart if someone gets a job over me or if someone I'm following is doing happy to announce every other day. Like it doesn't make me upset with them. Like I said, going back to when I got taken off the show on Kiss, I got replaced by a girl I barely knew and now she's one of my best friends. We never had any beef. We never had any drama. She phoned me and was like, I was just as shocked as you. I'm really new. I don't think I can do this job. And now we hang out, we go out, we do birthdays, some sleepovers. And that is my girl, girl. Like she will be there on my wedding day. Do you know what I mean? And vice versa. So don't harden your heart. Like don't let other people's success make you feel bad about yourself. And then in turn, you're not nice to them because you will get your flowers. And if you work hard, you will reap the benefits. So that's really important, especially as a woman, we're not nice to each other. Yeah. And I just don't like that. I, I don't like that. Four, practice, 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 hone your skills. Like I'm always walking around my house talking to myself and saying scripts out loud and stuff and trying to prevent my voice. And as weird as that sounds, I, I do because practice makes perfect. And as corny as that sounds, it's absolutely true. And there's always, there's always work to be done. So, so practice, practice, practice. And five, enjoy it. Enjoy it. Don't miss those moments that you think are small things. The small things are big things that lead to even bigger things, you know? And I sometimes can, our industry is so fast. Yeah, I'm, I'm hosting tonight at a Channel 4 event, but then tomorrow I'm back on radio. And then in the morning, I'm, and we're not taking it in. Yeah. Take it in, enjoy it. Like if you are in this industry, whether you're in front of the camera, behind the camera, you're a writer, you're a creator, broadcaster, whatever. We have great lives. Definitely. Like when I think about my life, my life's good, you know? Like, like we buck up at each other at like batter parties and fun stuff who gets to go to these things we're having like we work hard but we're having fun I always say that to my friends that are not in the industry I'm like I'm not gonna lie guys I'm having fun I'm I'm blessed I've worked hard I've been through the trenches but I'm having fun so five for me is enjoy it enjoy it enjoy enjoy the process you never know when it might end for you you know like god god willing everyone that wants a long career has longevity but some people don't. Yeah. Some people don't. So enjoy the moments while they're happening and take them in. Well said. Yes, this is why we needed <laughs> to get you on the mainstream because the gems are gemming. <laughs> right. Love it. Thank you so much, Tania, for joining me. Uh, please let us know where we can listen to you, where we can find you. If there's anything coming up, please keep us in the loop. Where I sell myself. Is sell this is what I sell yourself, my- darling. Yeah. Sell myself. 
I'm Sunita Taylor, and no, I'm joking. Uh, you can hear me on radio. You can hear me on Kiss Sunday through to Thursday. You can hear me on the Kiss Three Station. If you like your old school, your garage, etc. Uh, Monday to Friday in the afternoons, one until five. Um, I'm a, DJing a lot this summer. I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm international. Mm. Uh, I'm doing lots of Ibiza. I'm doing lots of Marbella. So yeah, I'm doing lots across the UK as well. So we're gonna have fun this year because we've been locked up for two years. And we just don't have time anymore. Like we actually, you know, when someone's like, I'm outside, I'm really outside. Good. She's out, out. I'm out, 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 out. <laughs> Love it. And what's your socials? What's the handles? My socials on everything is just at Tania Taylor. So if you find me on Twitter, I'm on Instagram. I've got a TikTok, but I'm not, like I haven't broadcasted that yet. So now that I've said, yeah. what is my TikTok? I think it's like Tania Taylor underscore. Let me go and check. <laughs> Now I'm yeah, no no I yeah it's at Tania Taylor underscore because someone else tried to say Tania Taylor and I'm like who? No, we need to get to TikTok about that. We need to we need to verify that one. But I I posted one video and then I don't really promote and I I need to. So now that I've promoted the TikTok, it's gonna make me post on TikTok. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. It's been amazing having you. And uh, yeah, make sure that summer is lit, lit, lit. <laughs> it will be. It better be. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Mainstream Podcast with me, Romel London. Please rate, follow and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And follow us at The Mainstream UK and at Romel underscore London on Twitter and Instagram.